listening to Chill Time with Will Moore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Chill Time is Will Time, and I'm your host, William Moore. And once again, I decided to bring back a good friend of mine. Go ahead and introduce yourself, my fellow. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to the listening audience. It's glad to be back on um, Chill Time with my brother Will. Let's do it. Yeah, so I had on here with me today uh, Brother Adrian Mack. If you guys remember, any, uh, you know, any of my longtime listeners remember, I have had him on the show before. Um, Adrian um, was with me when I uh, uh, went through my training. My COPE training became a certified uh, doula and lactation educator. So as you, if you guys remember, he and I both uh, claimed the uh, awesome distinction of being the two first men and also black men in the history of the state of Minnesota to be certified uh, doulas and lactation educators. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, it's funny, bro. I, I remember when I told my uh, told my mom about it. I was like, you know, your son is the, his- the answer to a Black History Month question now. Mm. So this February, nice, nice. You know, I want that credit. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I want my name in the Black History. <laughs> I want um, it. I want it on the trivia. Yeah, trivia. You know, I want it in the trivia. Yeah. yeah. You know, leave my mark. But um. As always, you know, it's good to have you back, bro. Appreciate I told you it, I definitely was going to have to make sure I got you back. It's an honor. And uh, I definitely want to make it a regular thing, too. I know you and my cousin Kenny, mm-hmm. you know, y'all two, I love having y'all on the show. You know, you got both got great insights, talk about some, you know, some awesome things and just brilliant guys that I connect with a lot. So, Likewise. Um, shout out to Kenny, uh, cousin Kenny, if you're out there listening. Um, also, um, <clears throat> I just kind of wanted to really touch base with you, man. I know we discussed a while back. Um, we had a great, you know, first show where we kind of talked about, uh, you know, toxic masculinity, the intersectionality with that, and the, you know, the feminism movement. Um, and then also had the opportunity to come on your radio show uh, yesterday um, before yes. a class that I was teaching at a local clinic, and kind of talk about that a little bit more with uh, your co-host, Mr. Keith Keith uh, Mays. Keith Dr. Mays. Keith Mays. So. Uh, Dr. Mays, if you listen to this, give a shout out to you too. Also, want to extend my uh, uh, extend gratitude to you for also allowing me to come on you out, you guys show and uh, and uh, be a guest. And I hope to have you on here as well. You know, either by yourself or uh, with Brother Adrian sometime. So let me know if that's something you're willing to do. Um, but yeah, man, I just wanted to get you back on and have these conversations with you, man. It's always good to catch up with you. Good to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, engage in dialogue. I feel like every time we get together and we start talking, man. you look up at the clock and it's like, man, we did, Two not, hours, plan, yeah, right. we did not plan on being yeah. at it this long. But it's always great things and important things that we're talking about. So yeah. I feel like it's a convers- these are conversations that needed to be had. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on... Um, you know we're gonna we're gonna get you know touch base about your on your radio show a little bit later, mm-hmm. but I just want to catch up with you and talk and ask you about you know so what have you been doing lately professionally? Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been doing in regards to how you've been utilizing the training that we both received? Um, I know you're doing awesome and amazing work in the community, but I thought it'd be important to bring you on here so you can talk about what you and your family are doing mm-hmm. um, to to provide valuable resources. To community here in the Twin Cities area. Yeah, so I'm I'm then once again thank you for having me on because it's uh, anytime I get the opportunity to just kind of share space and platforms with people who I admire, who I look up to, and just really impressed with the way they think and analyze and and engage social critique and just understanding our experience. I'm, it's always an honor to just be in the same environment and be able to just build myself with that. And so. 
Um, again, Adrian Mack, um, also known as Pragmatic on the Thought Lab with KMOJ.com. And I've been doing quite a bit in terms of my work in the community around uh, the doula and the prenatal um, and, and lactation counseling. Um, it's interesting is that that component actually took off a lot more than I expected. Yeah. Same thing. It's, it's weird because I, w- I want to say the same thing for me. Mm-hmm. But I don't want that to end it to, to sound like I didn't expect it to take off. Right. I expected it to take off That's because right. we learned a valuable set of skills and tools that mm-hmm. are beneficial to our community. Mm-hmm. But the way that it has, it's been like hyperdrive. That's I like right. I expected it to take off in like, you know, fourth and fifth gear. That's right. And it's been like sixth and seventh gear. That's right. Um, it's great. That's it's right. amazing. But it, and it's, but it still leaves me in awe. Yes. It, you know what I mean? Yes. And that's how it's been. And so I, to reframe it, I would say it's taken off in a direction, in a way that I didn't entirely plan for it. So I had my kind of projections and what I wanted to do with it. But being a doula and an African-American male doula in the state of Minnesota, I wasn't expecting so many opportunities and doors to open up as quickly in a different direction that I didn't intentionally see. And so um, my wife and I, we are the founders of Black Family Blueprint. And if you want to check it out, go to bfamb.com and be able to just check out our services and what we offer. And under the Black Family Blueprint, um, we provide uh, parent education workshops that focuses on um, supporting healthy families in the state of uh, society that's founded on white supremacy. How do you develop strategies and tips to be able to build healthy resilience in our children and in ourselves? Um, We have a workshop on black intimacy that we're building on that's specifically on couples and married couples to really build their Uh, their intimacy, but with the projection and the lens from an African-American experience. Um, We have one where we're just building parents' awareness around secure attachment and child-parent bond, which is so important in in being able to create the foundational um, skills and and outlooks and characteristics for uh, children to grow up to be healthy, contributing to citizens. And so, and then we have a number of different kind of many lessons and many concepts that we really have as a um, foundational pieces. But one of the other components that we offer in Black Family Blueprint is coaching. And coaching around parenting, just anything that parents want to set a goal for and just really build and incorporate into their family. And another piece is around the coaching with the doula practices. And so one thing that kind of took off in the last few months is that I've gotten more phone calls um, and just even just folks in my own circle who are in the process of having a child and, uh, you know, like in an interesting way, their first child. And so I've been I've had the opportunity and experience to be able to connect with some fathers who don't have no this is their first child. And yet they're nervous. um, They're excited and they don't have no lens or no framework to be able to do this work, to start with this work. And so I've kind of stepped in and just started working with them. And it was kind of, you know, like I'm just supporting them, letting them out. Didn't even tell them that I was a doula. But then the questions started to come. And eventually I started to formalize it. So by the second father, I formalized it and say, you know what, um, just to let you know, I'm a doula. I got, you know, certified in this. I got the outlook with this. And my goal and my hopes is to be able to work with you so you see yourself as a father instrumental to this process that you're 
your your girl your your wife is in and instrumental in that birthing experience and so just really providing some of the backdrop so over a series of different sessions just that I've had with some of the fathers in the last few months just being able to just help them to understand what they're going through transformatively and what their their wife is going through and then talk about what the baby needs right now and really being able to add the component to the nutritional pieces the safety pieces to decreasing as much stress as possible and then helping them to prepare their buddy bag you know getting their um uh, what they need in the birthing uh, piece, setting their goals that they want to experience in that birthing process, and then working with the mother to be able to see what is her goals for the birthing experience and how does the father and the mother work together to create that, to have the best birthing experience as possible. And so, um, you know, it's still under like one hand, I could count on one hand how many fathers I've worked with within the last year, um, but in that, my capacity, because I still have a full-time job, it's just been exciting to be able to have these moments on Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings, or Monday or Tuesday when I've met with a few of them where I've been able to instrumentally work with them on techniques that they could support um, to soothe their, their girlfriend or their wife in that birthing experience, helping them to understand what's going to happen after they get home and how do they project and prepare for the changes that's going to happen within the first few weeks, the first month, and the first five to six months. For months. sure, for sure. Yeah, and so that piece is always kind of the most um, the most anxiety-producing with the fathers because they know they're excited to see the baby, but then now what? What's going to happen? How much money? How much do I feed them? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Who's going to babysit? What type of job do I need? And there's a lot of those questions that sits on the ambiguity level that they just they just need to talk about and there's quite a few sessions is really for them to just they they just vent, just really. vent yeah. yeah talk and about so, the anxieties around it exactly because my experience has been very much the same mm-hmm. um i you know after i got my certification and stuff and started doing the work i started the idea was to use the work uh a lot with uh the club dad outreach group that I run on behalf of the county, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of uh, brand-new fathers, expecting fathers, um, young fathers, and so it's to help them get a great understanding of what, like like you said, what their significant other is going through so that they can have, you know, first advocate for their significant other, also advocate for themselves, know that they have a voice in this process, right? Stop feeling like they're just only, you know, the financial uh, provider right. or, um, you know, the disciplinarian, but you also have a role. You went in half on making the baby. You got to go in half on everything. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And we know that it's not um, all the father, all these fathers' faults that they believe this way. We, we've talked about, you know, different ways in which society conditions men to believe those things and the conscious and subconscious messaging that they get mm-hmm. from a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. Not to absolve all brothers out there, because we know that there are some men out there who know to know how to do right and simply aren't doing right. That's right. But there's a great deal of men out there who um, are out there pioneering, just like you say, right? Um, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, when it comes to their individual lives, they're very much so pioneering. And as we know, a pioneering, there's no blueprint on how to do things, not right? Not at all, not at all. It's no blueprint. You're out there making life and death decisions, and you're just trying to do the best you can with the tools that you have. And so, you know, obviously you and I both know that our job was to add to this toolbox, to this tool set of these men so that they can be better, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When you know better, you do better. Um, and what I've found is, much like you say, like it's really taken off. 
um, to the point where I've, you know, now started my own consulting firm with it because I'm getting contacted by so many different other organizations outside of, you know, where I do my main work and where I reside. Um, and even being contacted by individuals in other states mm-hmm. um, to work more in a group setting, right? To yes. either speak with public health nurses mm-hmm. um, and people, you know, uh, public health professionals who are, are, you know, looking to start programs for men um, or already have programs for men and are looking for extra tools to provide for them. Mm-hmm. Um, even to the point where I've been, you know, I've had uh, came and, uh, you know, come to gone to different organizations and talk to groups of women, right? Wow. And talk to them about and giving them the male perspective of what they might not be thinking, what they might not be seeing, how they might be subconsciously contributing to um, uh, certain uh, behaviors or, 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 or lack of behavior mm-hmm. from from their significant others um, and not even knowing that they were contributing to that, mm. right? And just to see how the light bulb goes off um and the faces and the minds of both men and women alike has been uh, encouraging. Um, it, you know, it makes me feel great, but also let me know, like, how much, how we have so much more work to do. We do. You know, um, like you said, it's, it's just taken off so fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, And now it's just about, like, whoa, um, I got all this work, which is great, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's great for job security and everything, but... We need more people along to help us with it because right. it's going to, it's having a desired effect. What we wanted to do was get this work and these skills and tools out in the community. That's right. Now we need to make sure we keep up with the demand, right? Because right. we don't want people coming, you know, looking for these resources and then not being able to find them and then giving up on it mm-hmm. because that's just how people are. That's right. And so I find a lot of, like I said, I just find a lot of similarities in the journey mm-hmm. that you're on right now. Mm-hmm. Um as well as the journey that I'm on, except mine, like I said, mine has been more, I've worked with some people on, on, on the individual basis, mm-hmm. but it's been a lot, lot of group setting. A lot of group setting work. A lot of group setting work. Like, when I say a lot, I mean... Quite a bit, huh? Yeah. See, yeah. I'm hoping to move into the group setting function. I like the, and we've talked about this before, I like the individual coaching and counseling pieces with families, with uh, couples, but there's no money in that. And I, and I, and I want to do that knowing that I don't have to worry about money in it because I enjoy that. There's a pleasure with being able to work with a new father or a young father or a father who's trying to increase their capacity in that piece. They may already have two or three kids, but they're trying to redefine their role as a father in the birthing piece. And so there's a reward that comes with just being able to provide that level of intentionality without having even to think about the monetary piece. But I struggled I struggled I actually struggled a lot with yeah. that because I I got into this work um and I still do this work because I love it and I see a need for it. Um at the same time I also was like, well, I should be fairly compensated for it. Mm-hmm. So I struggled with the fact of if I start charging for my services Am I, in fact, turning my back on my original purpose for wanting to do this work? Exactly, exactly. And if I was doing that, could I really, because anybody who knows me knows that I'm real big at being able to look myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. If I can't do it, I will walk away. Mm -hmm. I will walk away. I've walked away from jobs before with no backup plan Mm -hmm. because the job entailed me doing something that I could not look myself in the mirror, and I would refuse to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I struggle with that. And I even reached out to some mentors, some professionals that I know in the cities who do community work, um, do a lot of speaking engagements like I've been asked to do a lot more recently, mm-hmm. you know, and ask them, like, 
you know, what is reasonable? A, how did you get, how did you, you know, embark on your journey? B, doing this, you know, this community work and this altruistic work, do, did you feel guilty starting to feeling like you should, you charge people for it? And C, what is reasonable to charge for this, right? right? Because what you want to do is you want to be compensated for your work, but you don't want these valuable tools to be made inaccessible by the very people that you that you vowed to serve mm-hmm. and provide these tools to, right? That's right? And so I went from everything between asking, like, what's reasonable to charge for workshops um, and, and keynote speaking, mm-hmm. or, you know, for doing key speaking engagements because I wanted to, A, um, be accessible to the people who reached out to me and needed the services, mm-hmm. but and B, I, I wanted to be compensated, mm-hmm. but I also did not want to be insulting to people who've been doing work for the longest. Right. So, so like, there's a pro, there's a couple of prominent individuals that I've been speaking with that've been doing community work in the Twin Cities area. Er, area, and basically what I'm saying is, I didn't want to me being new to the game and me just starting my own consulting, uh, you know, firm and stuff like that. I didn't want to just be brand new to this, mm-hmm. but then throw out a price point or charge as much that as somebody who's values. been in this community, yeah. yes, for 20-some years, yeah. and then make it look like I'm some new hotshot trying to devalue their That's service right. and stuff like that. That's right. You know what I mean? Like Because I believe in paying... I believe that there's a, there's a delicate balance between like paying respect to those who have laid the groundwork before you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And quote-unquote kind of earning your stripes, mm-hmm. but also being valued for the work that you bring in, right? Yep. There's a delicate balance. I don't believe that just because somebody's been in there longer, if they're not doing a good job, that you shouldn't have to wait your turn behind them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also believe that if there's people who've been out here doing it a long time, they've been doing a great job in it, I kind of owe it to, like, that's disrespectful for me to jump in, but like, you got to give me just as much as if not more. Mm-hmm. No, that's not how it works. Because in the end, especially when it becomes, it turns into a battle between, uh, the, involving that sort of thing, a, it's it, it turned into an ego thing, and I've made it now about me and not about doing good work out in the community mm-hmm. and providing those that we vow to uh, provide good services to. Does, mm-hmm. does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. That makes yeah. sense. Part of it, I've rest, I've, I continue to wrestle with that, and I've gotten so far as to say, okay, in order to litigate that in my business development in this process, I have to create packages on how I provide services. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be able to say, um when I'm speaking to an organization who I want to collaborate with, partner with, or I want to provide a certain service, the organization itself, I'm going to have a specific package for that I believe uh, compensates the value of my service that I would provide. Now, that organization and I will work out and negotiate those specific pieces so that way I'm available to the constituents that they serve. Now, I want to partner with various organizations. Black Family Blueprint want to partner with these organizations to make sure that we're providing a service in one direction, but it will give us the financial security to be available for those who we seek to serve individually. And so, when like the several fathers that I've worked with over the last few months, I know if I would have said, look, here's a price point, if we want to continue this conversation, you know, I need to work out some of these pieces, that would have been an end of the conversation. Right. And I wouldn't have been available to them. And so, and my heart says, my heart leads with, you need to be available. This is what God has put you in a position to be training. This is your expertise. This is what you, this is your position. So you're here to serve and to take this and to serve and support these fathers in this role. So 
she'll, God, will work out the financial pieces later. But do the work. And so right now, I'm just doing the work. But if I'm meeting with either North Point or if I'm meeting with the U of M or if I'm meeting with um, the Women's Economic Council or something like that, that's different. That's different. That's different. That's different. That's a, that's an organization that's organization. Has a yep. And I've and and it, it, it actually comforts me a little bit uh, to know that somebody who you know what I'm saying whose whose opinion I trust in yourselves because mm-hmm. um, I've operated it actually very much in the same way because. Mm-hmm. There's actually been a couple projects that I've done, or one specifically, that I've actually done pro bono, mm. charge anything about, mm. because it didn't sit right with me to even to do that. There's been some families that I've worked with, mm. you know, with no, you know, pro bono, because mm-hmm. it did not sit right with me mm-hmm. to say, yeah, well, you know, I, I come with a price tag, or you know these schools come with a price tag. That's right. It's not what about. But when it's come to certain organizations... Yeah, there's been a fee attached That's to that. That's right. That's right. And 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 that fee, to be honest, is kind of been on a sliding scale, based on how big the organization is, mm-hmm. but also the type of job you're requesting that I do. That's right. That's right. You know the I mean? services, the packages. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So <clears throat> that feels good to know that I um that the path that I've kind of, that I've began carving out, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, has kind of been the right path because I've not done. This is my first stint of, you know, saying like, you know, doing any type of consulting work, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. I mean, well, I take it back. I've done some when it comes to uh, fitness and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Because people in my community also know that, you know, when it comes to the world of fitness or whatever, I, you know, I know I'm, I'm pretty uh, well informed with that. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing with that. So I've actually done some consulting with a couple of athletic teams mm-hmm. uh, in the Twin Cities area. But when it, but I'm talking about when it comes to community work, mm-hmm. um, you know that was more like to me. I look at that as more was like that was hobby work. This this work that we're doing right now, this is community work. This isn't hobby work. Mm-hmm. This is this is that deep down like hands in the soil cultivating yeah. uh, firm foundation work um, that I don't look at as a hobby. I mm-hmm. look at as 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 a passion type work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've really um, Looked at this and taken this, looked at this as a completely different opportunity mm-hmm. um, from that previous consulting that I've you know I've done before in the past. Yeah, and this is more something that I look at as like a long term thing mm-hmm. that I continue to develop and grow with um, and expand services yeah. um, as they become available. And for me, it, it I show up. You know, it's it's groom it's grooming me in my professional development. How I show up, you know, it's for for, sure. forcing me to say. What services am I offering? What is my concepts? What is my foundation that I'm coming from? Um, of course, when you want to show up in certain organizations and you speak into colleagues or people in the field, they want to know what's your theory, you know, what's your theory of change, mm-hmm, and what's your mm-hmm. research. And so it's forcing me to say, let's ask those questions and let's figure out what these different packages look like. Listen, you know, I might uh, show up at UROC with one level of professional package, but then show up in the community at like a a small organization like Turning Point or something where I'm speaking to fathers over there and show up totally different. I'm I'm more so, and it's the same level of professionalism, but just a different package. And one of them will be pro bono where I'm speaking from my vision. I'm speaking from that passion. I'm speaking from um, that mission, that ordained mission. But then there's another one 
what I'm speaking from the professionalism, from the discipline, from what we got right. in our training and being able to conceptualize how I want my per- unique style in this work around doula practicing and family development to look like. And so I've been I've been really excited that this training, this coke training has allowed is really joined in perfectly like a Lego fit with the family development pieces that I've gotten from studies with youth development, um, family development. I got my master's from Concordia and being able to just wrap that in perfectly, you know, and my emphasis is on African-American family development. So I'm hoping that I can work with couples from the conception of when they first start dating to the time of building a union and intimacy, to the time of planning their first child, to the time of them coupling and moving into their first space, and to the time of their child is moving in a certain life cycle phase all the way up until you're an elder. And so if I can have a concept and a way to speak to every component of the black family life cycle, that's it, man. Yeah, for sure. There's another thing I want to ask you about, too. Um, because anytime I tell people um, that I'm a doula, and then I also let them know, I was like, yeah, I'm essentially, I was like, I'm a doula for for women and for men. Mm. People are like, first of all, they're usually yeah. shocked, you know, they, like always they're shocked, you know, male doula. A male doula, yeah. But then they come with the question, too, of what is a doula, like a doula for males? I'm like, yeah. I was like, and being a doula for uh, women and being a doula for men are two completely different they things, are. right? They are. And so would you like to <clears throat> go into... Um, your vision of what that's like and how you've been able to convey that message to people mm-hmm. and uh, how you would use uh, use the work, um, how the work, how you've been using the work in a more gender specific manner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like what's the difference between you working with, you know, uh, a female versus working with a male? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of consolidated down to saying that I'm a doula for black fathers in the parenting development or who's redefining in their father role. Yes. Um, and so while I explained to them that a doula historically and traditionally have been someone who've worked with the mothers and by, you know, historical, you know, kind of adoption, we've always think that doulas are responsible for the mother who's giving birth. There's this movement now, which you and I are a part of it, that we're trying to redefine the work and even publicize the work of doulas, recapture it, bring it back to the community, and then now incorporate the fathers in that process. And so my training gives me the full understanding of the doula work and doula practice in a traditional sense, but I also have the lens and the perspective and this new component to be able to say we're going to incorporate the fathers. So my specific role is to champion the fathers to work in tangent, in partnership, in love, and in passion with the mother to be able to help bring a healthy child into this world and have the best birthing experiences possible. And so, and as you both, you and I both know and have preached about, historically, fathers, especially in the black community, hasn't always had a prominent role in the birthing experience. Correct. You know, now when it comes to fathering, we can, you know, we challenge these narratives and this belief that fathers ain't involved, but in the birthing experience, there's some validity to how much the fathers actually was incorporated in the actual prenatal birthing and postnatal experience and postpartum experience. And so what we want to do is challenge that to where fathers now can see themselves, 
are equipped, have the outlook and the skill sets to be able to say, I'm going to work with my wife or my girlfriend to pull this child into this world and to create the most healthiest environment and opportunity. I, I love the way you put that. Very um, an amazing you know, description of the difference uh, in the work that we do. Um, and essentially for those who may have had a hard way, you know, time of following it, um, if we were going to throw it in layman's terms, um, we basically equip dad with the skills mm-hmm. to essentially be the doula for his wife. Mm. Mm. We equip dad to be that person who's advocating and there from step one to the, to, to, you know, uh, a postpartum. That's right. You know, because, and, and typically that is the role if, if, uh, if a uh, expecting mom grabs, you know, gets a doula, that is, that is the doula's role. Mm-hmm. We've, I, what we try to do uh, when we do this doula work with men is we try to equip dad with the tools so that he's essentially yeah. uh, mom's doula. That's right. And, but I also have to, I also have to explain to people that the work with dad is very much different from the standpoint of before we can get to these skills that we're trying to teach. Uh, dad that you just you know so mm-hmm. eloquently laid out there's a lot of introspective work that I do with them there's a lot of mental you know there's a lot of psychological and emotional work that I do with dad before we can even talk about mm-hmm. step one of advocating in the office or knowing birth plans mm-hmm. or what to do if there's issues breastfeeding mm-hmm. what a proper latch is mm-hmm. how to look for you know, mastitis or some mm-hmm. sort of infection or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, block ducts or any of that type of, th- any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it, and, it, and a lot of that work is having men to look at their role. Uh, what has traditionally, what have they traditionally seen as their role in their community and in their house? What their current role in their community and their house is? And what, what should it look like? Mm. And if that role that they have been playing and that, that they've been traditionally seeing is, in fact, the right role, mm-hmm. or is that a role that's been perpetuated to them from outside influence mm. and the forces that actually hasn't been to their benefit, right? Yeah. Because um, me and you have had the conversation. We've said plenty of times, you know what I mean? Like, birth work is not women's work. Birth work is everybody's work. That's right. Birth work is not women's work. Who said that it is just a woman's job to make sure the entire family mm-hmm. is happy and healthy? Because mm-hmm. that's what birth work is to me. Mm-hmm. Bringing, bringing children into this world so that they are happy and healthy and developing the way they should be. That's right. And that everybody involved is okay. That's, that's right. everybody's job. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and, and, and I know that because of uh, stereotypical gender roles and stuff like that, Men have really stayed away from that. And if, if anything, we've actually been a little bit more oppressive than anything, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll stay out of pretty much any of the affairs when it comes to feed and take care of the child unless it's financial or i got to discipline them. Yep. Right? Right. We don't, you know, we don't take a very, we traditionally, I'm not going to, and I'm making a generalized statement, although I do not, I do know that this does not, um, I am not speaking for every single no. family dynamic in America, no. so please don't take that we're as what I'm doing. We're just generalizing, folks. We're yeah. just generalizing yeah. Yeah. it. And even in that generalization, we're only talking about a, a, a faction of our people. 
We are definitely aware of a lot of our brothers and sisters that's who are YouTube. doing amazing, yeah, doing doing amazing, amazing job out there. You only could just look on YouTube and Google YouTube black men and black women and birthing experiences and see um, black mothers and fathers who are having their babies and um, in, in birthing their babies in water and how the fathers are there to catch the babies and how their fathers For are there sure. to, to soothe the mothers um, while they're in the birthing experience. You could see umpteen videos of fathers who've chronically reading to their children while the baby is in the womb and just being there to make sure yep. that the mother is eating the proper nutrition and doing everything they can. So there's some intentional fathers that has chronicled and video and recorded their experience with their wives over the birthing experience. So we're just yeah. generalizing. Yeah, but we also know there's some fathers out there who are not doing so. And it's because they don't get it. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? It's not because they don't want to. They just don't know how to. That's right. Um, that's what I always say. Anybody who's heard me speak about this knows that's the you know, the number one thing that I always say. Mm -hmm. um, but really just kind of tapping into, like, one of the, for instance, you know, I'm not going to go on my whole, talk about my whole curriculum and everything that I talk about and do. But one of the main things that we would talk about with a lot of these, you know, gentlemen is, like, Knowing the difference between being in a, in a legit, a legitimate relationship mm -hmm. um, and just cohabitating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because you live with somebody and y'all physically occupy the same space doesn't mean y'all in a relationship. That's right. Just because you have sex with each other periodically, uh, hook up every night, doesn't mean you're in a relationship. That's right. And women need to know that too. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, and, cause, and just because, you know, a guy is having sex with you ladies also doesn't mean that. You know what I mean? Like, he has feelings for you or that that's not his way of, like, self-medicating. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize that. You can self-medicate through, through, sex. through yeah. sex, through mm -hmm. physical contact and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's got issues and stuff like that, just because they ain't out getting drunk or high all the time doesn't mean, you know what I mean, that, 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 everything's, that everything's perfect. That's right. That same individual might be sleeping with five or six different women or whatever mm -hmm. and got, you know, four or five babies by four or five different women. Mm-hmm. Yo, they self-medicate. That's right. Through their physical contact. That's They're right. dealing with something. They're trying to come through. You know what I mean? And that might not be the situation for you. Yeah. It, it is if you decide that that's if, if you decide that that's a person that you really want to be with mm -hmm. and you want to help them through it. There's nothing wrong with that. All mm -hmm. the more power to you. Mm -hmm. Just know that that takes work. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's going to take patience. Mm -hmm. If you decide that that's not what you want to deal with and be a part of, that is your right as well. And you mm -hmm. can walk away from that situation knowing that you're doing what's right and what's best for you until that person can get themselves uh, get themselves right. You know what I mean? But yeah. I had to explain that to a group of women one time. They're, you know, talking about how they felt like they were lied to um, by, a certain, you know, a couple of gentlemen who, you know, wound up having several different women pregnant at once. And by all means, I'm not excusing them nor saying that some of them, you know, weren't lying or playing games or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there are some who literally in that moment that they're with you, they do care about you. Mm -hmm. They're in that midst of self-medicating. Mm -hmm. Everything that they say, they really do feel and mean. For that they moment. just don't for that moment. They just don't know where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And when you're living in the moment, you don't think about the future. That's right. When you're living in the moment because of things that have happened to you in the past, you don't think about consequences. Consequences come from where? They come in the future. Future. Yeah. Right? And mm -hmm. so those are just things that I'm saying that need you know, that need to be um, thought about and kept in perspective. Um, when you're when you're, you know, meeting somebody and deciding whether or not this is somebody you want to be with. Mm -hmm. Because once you talk about these things and you figure these things out, you may decide that this is a person you're not even supposed to be with and be having children with anyway. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. And so that bypasses all the whole having to mm -hmm. make sure that he's involved mm -hmm. 
or she's involved mm-hmm. to make sure you keep a, a, a cohesive, um, a healthy family dynamic. Yeah. Because you may decide this ain't even a person I'm supposed to have a family with. That's right. So you nip that in the bud before it happens. That's right. Right. That's right. And so that that is just some of the things that I talk about, and that is a lot of really a lot of the work that I do with them. And that is the type of yeah. you know conversations we have because before we can you know explain those things and get down to the bottom of those things, there's no there's no there's no discussing a role in a family dynamic because mm-hmm. you're not ready to have a family. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? There's That's no right. discussing your role in the community because you're forever going to be confused about your role in the community. That's right. You're going to be listening to everybody else's negative narr- narrative about what your role is in the community. Right? right. I think I think you're bringing up an important piece to just emphasize, and I just want to emphasize that to our listeners, is that the work that Will and I are doing is, is the doula work. It's, there's a component of it that deals with the techniques and the focus and the reframing and the involvement of the birthing experience. But there's a good portion of this work that we're finding in consulting and working with the fathers that's heavily focused on just really helping them to analyze the environment that they're bringing this child in. A lot what of is introspective the, work. They, a lot of the introspective work. What is the relationship dynamic they have with the mother of the child or their wife or their girlfriend? What is the, uh, their mental concept of their role in the birthing experience? What do they feel about themselves in the relationship with the child if there's other children into it? And where there, what's the, is there an emotional attachment there? What's the intimacy level there? And those, and I've found, you know, even in just in some of the few fathers that I've worked with recently, that we've had to do a lot of conversations about where they were at in their relationship before we even got to the point where we was talking oh, about the, the child that's on the way. They had to unpack a lot of feelings, a lot of experiences. Um, some of the fears that they had that, you know, of being able to commit to this this woman. Um, uh, there's a lot there we had to reshape, reform, and revision before we could lay the foundation of like, okay, in the next six months, you're going to be in this birthing experience. You know? So the doula work is very much about, in terms of the father experience, um, the doula work that we're finding in working with the fathers is very much about the experience with the prenatal um, relationship that they have with the child and the mother and the birthing experience in the postpartum um, days, weeks, and months afterwards. But so much of it is about the psychosocial dynamic of where the man is in terms of how he relates to that relationship and being a father that we're finding that's very uh, a very important component to this. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you <clears throat> one thing for me. One thing that's always a telltale sign um, that a, that a, that a couple needs my help or or needs to sit and you know needs to be worked with or sitting and and work with my curriculum. I could be speaking speaking to a group right, and uh, this just happened recently, maybe like three weeks ago, and I talk about and I start just giving an explanation about the type of work that I do, what it's about, and then. Usually one or the other, either the 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 man, more, more times than not, it's been the woman. Get up and be like, yep, I know exactly what you mean, because he they just don't get it, mm-hmm. or they need to mm-hmm. listen to that. And mm-hmm. then you'll see the person, the spouse, or the significant other, look over with this look of condescension, mm-hmm. like, 
wait till we get out of wait till we get out of public yeah. and let you know what I think. Yeah. Or they look real surprised. Yeah. To me, that says that says what that says to it me speaks is volumes. Yep, it yeah. speaks volumes. See what that says that, that it is they both had two totally different perceptions about where the relationship is at, mm-hmm. and they have both have two totally different perceptions about. Um, what's expected out of each other or each other's roles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because when I, you know, with the, the specific the, the specific couple that I'm talking about, I remember talking to, you know, hearing from her and then talking to him one on one, and then he's telling me what he's been doing. Mm. Um, and and he's actually been he's been putting he wasn't you know doing lazy wasn't putting in work, but it's a prime example of her perception of what help around the house and what the family. Uh, is and his perception what help around the house and what the family is and his mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. Their their definition ideas of each other's roles mm-hmm. were completely different. Mm. They had not had that open conversation, mm-hmm. and so then I moved into have you tried talking to each other about that? And then before they could answer, I said, and before 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 you answer, I said, not when y'all already upset and been bickering at each other because mm. at that point. It just looks like ammunition against That's one, right. another, one right. another, and you're not actually listening. Yep. Have you tried bringing it up when y'all actually happy? You're in a moment of happiness, and you just mm. say, hey, let's just have a conversation. So I look at things this way, or I look at things going this way, and I feel like your role, the role that would be most beneficial for to me and the family would be you playing this part and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And neither and neither one of them could agree that they that that's what they had actually done. No, and that's what I find very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another reason why I see this work being so very important. Very important. And speaking to that, I try to make sure that with the few that I just recently coached and supported, kind of in the midst of one of them right now, is I only engage when the father is interested in sitting down with me. Yes. I don't do it based on the dynamic of the mother or a friend of the mother saying, yeah, you need to connect with him, and and they're just kind of forcing and thrusting my services on him because if the brother is not asking or inquisitive or opening up that pathway for me to be able to connect with them online, he's not going to be receptive. And as men, many of us have too much pride for that. That's right. Because that's part of one of the things that I seek to deconstruct before we even get into this stuff, too. Mm -hmm. I I, I seek to build relationships with the men to lower that guard down. Because society also tells us that we need to be very hard and untrusting of one another. Even those who look just like us. That's right. Primarily those who look like us. So So we might feel more comfortable with people who look like us, more comfortable with people who look like us mm-hmm. versus people that don't look like us. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we still trust That's those right. who look like us. That's right. right. And so we got to seek to even break, you know, break that dynamic and break down that wall mm-hmm. of them being just trusting and open up. Right. That's right. And I've, I remember having to tell a, a young lady that one time, too. I'm like, you can't be talking about that you want a real man and your definition of a real man is somebody who's hardcore, yeah. tough, don't show no emotion and stuff like this. Yeah. And then 20 minutes later, you upset that he's not being sensitive towards your needs. That's right. It's not a switch That's that he right. can flip on and off like that. That's right. And if the rest of the world has been conditioned to him behave in that manner, you, I'm sorry, but you... Very you're true. getting what you're cultivating. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever you're planting and watering, that's the type of a plant that you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get something else. You mm-hmm. can't plant an apple seed and get a watermelon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? That's We talked about this before. And it, I didn't understand this dynamic and this irony that exists in some of our sisters' kind of um, formation and conceptions about manhood until my wife put it on the table for me. She was like, because she, she said, you know, she was a, as a young as a young girl, she was attracted to the thugs. But she always wanted the thug that will come to her when the night when the lights are low 
and be able to be sensitive to her. So she wanted this thug who was sensitive only to her. And she said, she said it's, it's a very sophomore concept, but she didn't realize the stupidity of that until right. she started to see more more expansive definitions of what it means, what black exactly. men were. And so I always kind of tease my sisters, you know, some of them, not in a very facetious way, that we want Tupac with Shamar Moore. We, we, we want, yeah. yeah, we want you Tupac. Can't, with, we can't way. get both. Yeah, you can't get both in, wrapped in one man. Now, true indeed, it's going to be up to men to be able to define our emotional complexity when it comes to women, our emotional maturity when it comes to women but the concept that our sisters tend to kind of operate with and i'm sending that sophomoric stage the adolescent stage yeah. that a lot of sisters don't it's very it's very unrefined. Yeah, it's unrefined. and i'm saying this realizing that men have very unrefined uh we do. concepts of what type of we women do. we're supposed to have yep. and that we want to be with too yep. we have very ours happen to be very like very superficial mm-hmm. from the standpoint of the way uh, women are supposed to look and behave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, very much heavily uh, 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 on, on the looks department. Mm-hmm. So I understand that we got our faults too, but it's just breaking down and analyzing and just and just showing everybody that the work that we have to do with that it has two completely different approaches. Yeah. Uh, for for men and women when we're trying to make this all work. That's right. Um. So yeah, I appreciate you for you know. Kind of uh, highlighting that, yeah, yeah, highlighting that and talking about that with you know explaining your approach with my audience like that. Yeah, because it's 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 a challenge, and as the, this is why the work is so important for us. You know, we we're unpacking and deconstructing some of these things that a lot of these, and, and for me, it was a lot of young couples that young couples are trying to grapple with as they move into parenthood, and so some of that unpacking deals with dealing with the environment of their relationship and being right. able to help them develop new sets and new skills on how to communicate with each other. And like you mentioned earlier, the expectation that they have out each other, out, out of each other and the roles that they play, even in just the mundane operations of the house. And so when you incorporating an uh, a infant whose needs are going to be more pronounced and more higher than, than you, either, one of, either you. one of you, you know, you, it's important that we start having some of these things now and getting a foundation for these pieces as you're preparing for this new mouth to feed. For sure, for sure. So another thing before um, before we get off here, man, I really wanted you to talk about your radio show, man. Nice. You nice. got a, I, I think you got a super dope show, man. Appreciate and I would be remiss if I didn't have you, you know, not only talk about but promote your radio show mm-hmm. that you have. Mm-hmm. Um I got the you know the honor and the privilege to be on there with you guys uh, yesterday morning, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of I want you to just go over and talk about you know how it came to be, man, the genesis of that project, you mm-hmm. know, the concept for it, um, all of that. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. that your your plans, you know, how long it's been out there, and yeah. your plans for the future with it, because I really see it as. Uh, a really productive, enlightening show that I think a lot of people uh, could get something from. No doubt. And definitely, like, it's something, like, I would rather listen to that than some of this, you know, some of the crazy music they got, you know, playing mm-hmm. on here. Like, mm-hmm. anything that you can really feel like you're learning from mm-hmm. and growing from, uh, from down-to-earth individuals who can, you know, convey important messages 
in a way that are easily that that's easily digestible yeah. to everyone. I think we we, we got to highlight that, man. Yeah. So why don't you go? Let go I'm humbled, man. I appreciate it, and I definitely want to give credit where credit's due because it wasn't conceptually my idea. Um, Dr. Keith Mays, who's my um, co-host with and really kind of the lead of the project, he's known as the Thought Doctor on KMOJ, and he's been doing the Thought Doctor for, I want to say, three to four years now on KMOJ in the mornings, and so he's on every other Friday, I believe, at 7.30, 7.35, and he usually, they give him an opportunity, AM, at 7.35 AM on KMOJ 89.9 FM. And so he's on there, and he, they usually give him five minutes to just spit, you know, talk about some history, to put some things in a historical context. He may take a couple of things that's going on in the current affairs and just break it down to an historical lens. And he'll just, man, the, he's vicious. Dr. Keith Mays is a professor at the U of M from New York, um, re, uh, repositioned here in Minnesota and just doing phenomenal work around the history of our people, the experience of our people, speaking, curriculum development. He's worked with uh, Minneapolis Public Schools, St. Paul Public Schools on creating uh, powerful curriculum content that speak to African-American students. Um, he's a dope professor. I've taken all, uh, I tried to all of his classes, but majority of it, he's just phenomenal. And what so does he teach? He teaches at the U of M. He, t- he taught at MCTC, taught at North Hennepin, but he's primarily based out of the U of M and then the Department of African American Studies. Okay, okay. Yes. And so phenomenal brother. And so his thought doctor um, component was just so successful. A lot of people tuned in for it. That as the station reformed and re, uh, revisioned kind of how they're doing this expansion with the HD2, which is their ICE station. So they got an Internet radio called the ICE. They wanted to make sure that they have that political, critical and social context on it. So they immediately pos- offered him the opportunity to do a 30 minute thought lab on the ice station. It was a smart decision. Yeah, yeah, very powerful, very smart. And so he immediately, as soon as the, I mean, he said he was fresh out of the conversation with the director of KMOJ before he called me and and was like, yo, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this with you. And I said, I'm with it. And, you know, let's talk about it. So we met and we just envisioned what is it that we want to do? We're taking the thought lab, the thought doctor, which is a five minute segment and expanding it another 25 minutes. And so I asked him some questions. What do you want to talk about? Because I just said, I know if I had 30 minutes on Kim OJ, I don't know. I'm going to be all over the place. I'm going to say some things. What Bernie Mac say? He said, I know why they won't give my own show. That's right. They're afraid afraid what I'm going to say. They're afraid what I'm going to (laughs) say. And that's what it was. I told him, I said, I'm going to put some stuff up there. I said, but if this is the thought lab, you know, I'm willing to do this with you in a very visionary way. So that way I'm not being um, critical and controversial. And so we, he laid down a vision. We laid down a vision to talk about social critique, to talk about current affairs, everything historical, everything hip-hop, everything R&B, everything ideological um, that uh, encapsulate the African-American experience, the African experience in the diaspora. So anything from relationships, family dynamics to our politics, to our economics, 
we want to talk about it and talk about it in a way where we're being pragmatic about it, that we're promoting thinking, that we're trying to encourage intellectual development and to really be informed on some things. And so we just kind of threw out a list of different subjects that we projected we want to talk about in the future. And then, boom, we went with it. And so we did also have a third co-host with us, uh, one of our young sisters. It was his his one of his students. And I've grown to appreciate her as a sister who's a powerful thinker um, who contributed to our shows from roughly late August to um, early November. And she was on with us every week, every other week. And she's just dope. And so she brought this perspective that we didn't always have and to consider. And so we just had a really good running show. She's also in her grad studies in New York. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so she had to pull back for a second just so she can get some so things. So she can hit them milestones. Yeah, that's right. right. That's always right. important. That's man. right. You know, always important. Yeah. And so, you know, Camo J has an app right now on both Android and iOS that, you know, a lot of people can't access the ICE station without that. Um, because it's not an FM radio f- uh, signal, it's on the For internet. Sure. So you have to download the KMOJ app or go to 89.9 KMOJ on, uh, online and just access the ICE. But I kid you, I kid you not, it's worth the investment. 30 minutes of that time. There's a few other shows on there. I can't remember who the other personalities that they have on the ice. Just a dope run of personalities and shows that really pull. We got one sister who broadcasts with um, someone in California and they do that every week as well on the ice. And so it's, it's just a good platform. Like the ice is really pulling in those components that the that the listening audience has been demanding out of Camel J for a while. Camel J got a dope lineup. Like my sister Lisa Jones got Urban Agenda. Uh, mm-hmm. Mahmoud El Kachi mm-hmm. got connections with Reflections. You know, I met him uh, leaving. Um, gosh, a seminar one time. I'd always heard him on uh, heard him on the radio. Mm-hmm. Never seen him in person. Yeah. Uh, you know how you got this perception of what people look like when you, just from hearing whatever. Yeah. And then I met him. And he, first of all, he didn't look anything like I thought he would. Mm-hmm. But, yo, he had this energy that emanated from him of just peace. Yes. Like, yes. I could sit in his presence for a long time oh, and yes. not say nothing, just listen to him. Yes. He's got this He got this presence of peace yes. that just emanates from him. And I was just like, yo, that's dope. And I yeah. remember kind of being like, I'm not a person, like, I don't get shell-shocked. I don't get, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't look at celebrities, semi-celebs, famous, none of that people. I don't get tongue-tied. Mm-hmm. But from him, like, I started a little bit. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. uh yo, hey, uh, nice to meet you. You know, yeah. I've listened to you several times. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Do great work. Mm-hmm. He's just, yo, I could just tell um, he's got to be a powerful person to be around. Yeah. Um. On a on a on a regular basis, man. Yes. I, I, man. Yes. For sure. Can we can we have him on the show? Man, if he would listen, if he would if he would want to, I would be honored to have him. Yes. On here, he would. I would work around his schedule whenever he wanted to do it. That's Brother, that's a no brainer. We can have him on the show <laughs> next week. I'm giving that my commitment to the listening audience. If if y'all interested, if Will will have us on the uh, Man, wheelchair time, will ha- we listen, will invite Professor Mahmoud Alkati on the show next if week. If he wants to do it, I will make. I'll make that happen. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I got to move something around. Listen, he's mm-hmm. he's that he's that uh, he is that powerful of a person, man. Like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, in, in my opinion, you know what I mean? Like, knowledge is power, man. The wisdom that he has that emanates from him, his glow, mm. 
is real. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, we will have them on the show. I give you my commitment to that. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. So, and what are your plans? What do you, What do you think? See, is your plans for like the future? So, what we want to do with the show is that we want to syndicate it as much as we can. Now, we really we're fit to get our Facebook page finalized. We just got a really dope schedule, so we was glad that you was on the show because you're kicking us off with this, like connecting with the community, meeting with some powerful people locally who's got some dope personalities and got their piece going. And so you're helping us, and that's why we have to have you on again. Um, we're trying to get more people in the community, make it a little bit more accessible. We're trying to promote the ICE, too, because there's still a lot of us who don't know about KMOJ's ICE station um, on the HD2 um, frequency, Internet frequency. But we're trying to make sure we get that out there as well. And then we want to hopefully be able to use some of the shows to be able to put it into different other spaces. We want to podcast it, um, and we want to allow other folks in other arenas to be able to access it as well, too. But primarily keeping the home in KMOJ and making sure that the ICE station is being elevated with what we're doing. That's what's up, man. Mm-hmm. Well, anything, absolutely anything I can do to help promote that and make that yes, happen. Sir. Appreciate it. Um, in my limited capacity, you know, I don't know what I can do, but whatever's in my power to do, mm-hmm. you know, I'll help y'all, you guys do that because I do think it's an impressive show. I think that it's something that's very beneficial to everyone, mm-hmm. and we would be remiss to not make sure um, that you didn't get the proper stage um, that you all deserve. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's nothing. Just let me know. Yes, sir. I'll, you know, I'll do whatever I can. Yes, man. sir. So, man, once again, man, I just wanted to pr- say thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thank you. For coming on. You know what I mean? Likewise. Let You know, letting loose the words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Letting, you know, keeping me up to date and just let me know where, you know, where you've taken your work and yes, your sir. craft since we last sat down and, you know, had the conversation. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's awesome to know Two, that um, we're both taking this work and running with it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we're both uh, taking the work and doing something instrumental in the community. Because there's a lot of people who get certain trainings and different things like that. Like, I, from, I remember, you know, I remember uh, uh, Miss Agmiri, mm-hmm. you know, for the old Miss, Miss, Miss Agmiri uh, Sakra. She was our, she is, in, in, in a sense, our mentor in this That's work. Right. She's the one who trained us, That's right? right? And I remember her talking about how she's been in this work for a long time. And one of the main reasons she's been in this work for a long time and been working so hard is because she's trained a lot of people and a lot of people have fallen off the map. They mm-hmm. haven't taken that training mm-hmm. and actually done anything with it, mm-hmm. you know, because they realize the type of commitment or work that it takes and they just haven't stuck with it. That's right. Um, I'm happy that. And and, I, and it's not to place judgment on any of those people because life happens. I don't know what's happened. I don't know the reasons why that has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be some very valid and legitimate reasons why, you know, some of these people haven't kept up the work mm-hmm. and, and, and gone and ran with it and done things in the community. Mm-hmm. But I'm just happy that uh, I, along with others that were in our cohort, and, you know what I mean, you, you know what I mean, and us as the, the first two men and black men mm-hmm. to receive this training, mm-hmm. um, have st- stayed with it mm-hmm. and, and, and contributed to our communities. Yes, sir. So I think that she would be very proud of that. And every time I see her, I let her know how thankful and grateful I am to her mm-hmm. uh, for for allowing us to be under her tutelage. That's you know? right. That's right. She, you know what I mean? She didn't have to volunteer her time to do that. No, and, she didn't. And, 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 and and give us this this wisdom and knowledge that she has. So that's right. Yeah, man. Once again, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Pub yourself for your work one more time. If anybody needs to get a hold of you, yes. in touch with your resources, yes. please let them know how they can do that. BFAMB.com. That's B-F-A-M-B.com. You can reach me at blackfamilyblueprint at gmail.com. And, yes, if you want to tune in on Mondays at 4 p.m., KMOJ89.9. Dot com, I believe it is 89.9fm.com, KMOJ. Just Google KMOJ and then tune in to the ICE station. There's a big button, big icon that says ICE, 4 p.m. Mondays. Listen to me um, and Brother Dr. Keith Mays on the thought, the thought Doctor on the Thought Lab. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. As always, uh, any of my listeners out there, anybody listening to this podcast, if you have any questions, comments, um, recommendations, want to be on the show, should send me an email to chilltimepod at gmail.com. Chilltimepod at gmail.com. Also, remember, we're on pretty much any platform that you can listen to a podcast. Leave me a rating. Let me know what you think. Um, other than that, I appreciate you. Always, forever. Keep listening. Tell others about you know the podcast. Get them listening. And we are out. Peace. Light up.